Welcome to Stripped Podcast. These conversations are unscripted, unplanned, and unrehearsed. Your hosts are Fiona and Suzanne. Fiona had a kidney transplant in 2018 and is fighting every day for her life. Her current situation brings up questions about life and death, and she wants us all to have more meaningful conversations every day together. Suzanne likes to stretch the boundaries in life. She works in behavioural change and is fascinated with experimenting with social norms, art and philosophy. Together, Fiona and Suzanne have many common fears, failures and fortunes, and bring to you the most stripped versions of themselves to provoke deep thinking in the hope of better conversations and relationships for us all. It's time to get stripped. So good morning and welcome to everyone to our latest episode of Stripped Podcast. As usual, to my left I have <laughs> Suzanne Waldron. Welcome. <laughs> you sound like some freaking radio I DJ. I love it. And also we have Chris in the room with us, our wonderful sound engineer. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. How's everyone going? Well, I'm good. Um, how are you, my love? What's going on? I'm upright and I'm not in hospital, so it's a bloody good day when we were downstairs before i said to you um you know you know live in the dream i think chris came in and said how are you and he says live in the dream i said so so am i and i looked at fee and i went you're not really are you and you said i'm upright i'm upright which is living the dream today absolutely yeah so what's going on with you what's what's been news uh then not much actually well my news is that i haven't been in hospital for two weeks so that's a positive. Um, I've also been doing a few little things like this podcast, trying to do a bit of a leadership on my leadership course, getting out and about a little bit. So I've been getting out of the house a little bit, which is nice. I went down south to Margaret River for a couple of days. I ran away for a couple of days. And that was wonderful. I love it down there so much. So just actually, yeah, getting back into things, catching up with a few friends. So, oh, also, had an amazing catch-up the other week when it was someone's 40th birthday. That would be mine. Yes. That would be my birthday. So I turned 40, hey, of which, freaking amazing, because I've decided that if this is what 40 is like, then it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Genuinely, really? I got to this point because I was getting all like stroppy and I don't know, fearful and you know, oh my god, I'm getting older and I don't feel like I'm 40 and all those sorts of things. And so, um, I, I wrote this poem which you might have seen around like feeling into 40. And so, in my last days of my, of my 30s, I sort of realized, hang on a minute, I'm happier than I've ever been. I feel like I've got so much more choice in life. I'm resourceful. I'm healthy. Yeah. And what am I stressing about? You know, I understand that there's a spiritual, a milestone perspective of turning ages. You know, people, it's just a number. But it has got, like, genetic perspective and it has got societal um, sort of um, embedding. So when we, you know, it's rite of passage and things like that. Actually, a lady said to me, turning 40 is like turning, um, is the rite of passage, passage into womanhood. And I thought, that's really interesting. Wow. So, so from a society perspective, there's, there's, there is, there's underlying psychological reasons why we feel the way we do. And if we treat it as just a number, you might be dismissing the actual fact that you're moving into another phase of life. Oh, and I've had a coffee, so I'm going really fast. But my beautiful mentor, Richard Hodge, whom I love, said... Um, Six, uh, 40 to 60 is the best era of your life because it's the era of impact. What does so, that mean? Because he said between 
time that you're born, so to speak, and up to 40, like generalising, you're finding out who you are and what you believe in and getting the skills and the beliefs and the spiritual connection and, you know, you're, you're sort of coming into your skin. And then he said, it's a beautiful time between 40 and 60 because the era of impact is that you get to realise the return by passing on and actually getting ripple effects from what you know and what you've learned. So if that's turning 40, I like it a lot. That's fabulous. I actually mm. like seeing it like that. What were you? Because you turned forty. Yes, I've been forty for a little while now. I cried all day Mm. on my fortieth birthday, and my mother said the most amazing thing to me on my fortieth because I wouldn't stop crying. She said, "Perhaps you're going through menopause as well." (laughs) (laughs) Mama Ben, no, thanks a lot. But yeah, no, I (laughs) (laughs) gotta love a Mama Ben. I was absolutely devastated by turning 40. I admit, though, I was diagnosed um, when I was 39, so three years ago. So I went through a very big life change just before I was turning 40, and I felt like I almost went – I know this is going to sound weird, but it was almost like I went back to almost like my 20s, having to re-accept physically who who I was turning into. Uh, When you're diagnosed with a chronic illness, uh, it affects you – your whole health, your whole body and your whole mind. Yet I really struggled with the physical changes that I was going through. So going into my 40s was very difficult for me. And I've heard a lot of women say, you know, through your 20s, you're figuring out who you are and you're not comfortable in your own skin. And then your 30s, you get better. But in your 40s, like what you've just said is that you settle into your skin. You own in your body more. And you own it and you, you, you're you happy with, you know, your your womanly body and, and how it looks and feels and, and you're comfortable in your skin. And, and I would say that was probably the exact opposite for me. And even now, like a couple of years later, um, since my transplant, which was nearly 10 months ago, I'm still trying to learn to feel comfortable in my own skin yeah. and accept my body with how it now looks and feels and... So 40 for me has been difficult. It hasn't been the the um, rite of passage or, or, or the settling into who I am. It's actually been a... Quite different. Yeah, because this is a new me. So this is a new ordinary. So I almost feel like I've gone back to my 20s and I'm going through that awkward, awful stage of learning who I am again and, and being comfortable in my skin. What does that bring up for you then? Like, How does that play out in your life on an everyday basis? Up until recently, I wasn't comfortable leaving the house. I was very uncomfortable with how I was being presented to the world in in my body. Um, Not so much scars, because I've got scars everywhere, (laughs) top to bottom now. Scars don't worry me so much. I think there was two main things I've I've felt, particularly since my transplant. Um, that has been that the physical side of it, losing my hair has, was very difficult through the medication, but mainly something that I call moon face. Yeah. And I know <coughs> some people will be like, what? But that's actually a technical term. And you get it from the steroids that you have to go on. And you literally get like this face, which looks like you're packing nuts in your cheeks. Like chipmunks. Chipmunks. Moon face, yeah. Moon face. And I've seen your moon face. It's, it's rather beautiful. Yeah, I rock the moon face. You do it like, well. I get a big moon face. <laughs> you do. It's I like do. you've got no cheek structure whatsoever. No, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm very uncomfortable with that. Yeah. And so... what Can I ask why? 
I feel very ugly. I, yeah. I feel like I've, this isn't me. This isn't how I want to present myself to the world. I'm not comfortable with it. I feel that even though people that probably don't know me wouldn't notice it, I notice it in myself. And when I see myself in the mirror, I don't actually recognise myself. I, I understand we all age and, and I think I was being quite comfortable with that and I felt like I was ageing quite well, you actually. Are, yeah, still are. Um, well, well, actually, the bonus of having a moon face is that it does actually stretch out all your wrinkles. So yeah. that's been yeah. a bonus of my moon that's face. That's why I keep this lovely little layer all, all over my body is to allow myself this beautiful skin. It's all, it's all strategic. I'm telling you. <laughs> but I'd also feel um, so I was embarrassed for the people I was with. So the people that knew me. I didn't want them to feel uncomfortable around me because they could see how different I looked. Yeah. And I could see them looking at me and so I used to joke about it and say, oh, look at my moon face. I'm rocking a moon face today to try and alleviate the awkwardness yeah. with other people. Yeah. So that was the one thing was the physical side effects that I had. Um, the second thing for me was basically I really went through a stage of just completely hating my body because it let me down. Yeah. I felt very betrayed by my body, by my kidneys dying and basically affecting my whole body. So yeah. I have a real issue with not caring or liking my body very yeah. much for like, me. It's like resenting a person for treating you badly. It's just you happen to be resenting or um, that's a word I just use. It doesn't have to be your word, but your own shell that you live in. Absolutely. So I'm learning to so – obviously I'm in therapy and one of the big things we focus on is the fact that I need to care about my body and that's for recovery as well. So I was going through a phase where I don't care. I don't care about my body anymore because yeah. I hate it yeah. because it's betrayed me and that wasn't helping with my recovery because then I wasn't nourishing it or looking after it. Because there's a lot to be said about, you know, talking to your own cells. I mean, listening to people like Joe Dispenza um, and – Damn it, his name's gone out of my head, but it'll come back to me in a minute. Very well-known epigenetic person. You'll all be thinking of it, and I can't think of it right now. Um, but they talk about <clears throat> how we have so much more access over talking to all the deepest particles and atoms and cells within us. You know, we think that we don't have communication pathways, but we do, and we can actually change quite a lot within ourselves. Did you know that our body sheds completely, every single part of our body sheds, in a 12-month cycle. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. Oh God, what's his name? It'll come back to me. Um, so I, I can empathise in this scenario because I've had, I've had 13 operations in my life. So um, in terms of you know, having to sort of look after your body and so I, I can't have children because of um, disease that I had um, over a very long period of time. Endometriosis is it's very common in women and basically it just you know, stopped my... Um, fallopian tubes and um, all the reproductive organs from being able to get access. So I can't have children for that reason. But I've had a lot of – I was born deaf as well. And so, yeah, so I had a lot of operations on my ears when I was young. Yeah. And I've had, you know, my gallbladder out and my tonsils yeah. removed. And, you know, like I'm just like, I'm just about working. I <laughs> but what I, the reason I say that is because it. I think also there's an element of trauma when it comes to intrusion – into our bodies and I don't know about you but I've just gotten to the point where I've started to realize 
like my body is something that is just it's not just a thing that's there I'm actually I'm actually a part of it Mm -hmm. and that I have the ability and the right and the responsibility to look after it as if it was a child or as if it was your dog or whatever and but I think we get around just just taking it for granted because we're in it and so I've just recently for the first time in a long time gone oh my goodness I should probably put some good things in it and and, you know and and look after it and speak to it well I fell over once um, and I felt like the adrenaline full come through me so I sat with myself just after I fell down and I decided to talk to my nervous system to tell it it's okay and that nothing happened, I didn't hurt myself, and to thank it for producing adrenaline. I did, I sat with myself and I just calmed it down, and I was like, I'm all good now, like, thank you for doing all the things that you needed to do in order to help me fall over in that moment and protect me. I was just <laughs> like... We do babies <laughs> when they fall over, and they're like, oh, don't react, don't react, because if you react, it will cry. Yes. Yes. Well, that's a good point. Yes. So when a kid falls over, you're like, you're all right, get up, yeah. get back up. Yeah. So hmm. don't ever... But then we, we probably do need to go through the... Feel the emotion, accept what's happening in your body, but it's doing all this amazing stuff to help. Anyway, I don't know, I'm going on a tangent. No, but it's true. I No, I agree with you because I think of like in the last 10 months I've had oh, nearly 20 surgeries. Yeah. In 10 months, so that's like mine's over a whole period of a lifetime. Yours yeah. is really It's been condensed, intense, right? Yeah. And, and it's always amazed me how much my body bounces back or it doesn't mm. bounce back. And mm. I always try and figure out why Why has this surgery gone better than my other surgeries? And I think it's a bit of accumulation over 10 months. So my yeah. last surgery was, what, four weeks ago? Was it yeah. about four weeks ago? Yeah, I had my gallbladder yeah. removed. And that was a really, really tough surgery to come back from. But then someone reminded me that four weeks before that, I was in four, – four days before that, I was in hospital for 11 days and I had multiple surgeries that time as well. So I think – what I've sort of learned over this period of time is that we do need to look after our bodies. And when people say things to me like, think positive, to be honest, I struggle with that because I'm like, what does that even mean? But now I realise it's what you're saying. It's like, care for your body and talk to it and nourish it and look after it so it will recover and bounce back better. And we only have one body. And I was thinking about this just recently is that we all very quickly can get our car serviced, right? So I think you've got... Everyone, most <laughs> okay, people, we've gone on. To, okay, metaphor coming, metaphor. We've got, we've yep. got, everyone's got a car. And I bet you if I asked everyone to say, how often do they get their car serviced? They're like, oh, you know, when it's needed on the logbook or once a year at least, right? Okay, so everyone can do that. But if I said to people, how often do you go get your body serviced? <laughs> okay, keep it, keep it above the belt. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I couldn't hide it. But if we do say that, I bet I bet your people go. Well, what do you mean? I'm like, yeah. do you go at least once a year and get your body checked out head to toe? To toe. It might only take an hour, and we've got over eight thousand hours every year. We have. Yeah. It's like about eight thousand nine hundred hours a year we have, and I bet you most people say they don't go and get their body fully service at least once yeah. a year. And so is that that's things like um, blood tests and ultrasounds and fat tests and, you know, I don't know, all of those things. Yeah. Like, like in England, people who are in English, like an MOT, you know, you have to take the car over the pits yeah. once a year. Do that like, You don't body. have to do that here, but, yeah. So I want to talk about, I think I want to talk about body image, particularly mm. for, well, I don't think, I don't, don't have to be for women, actually. Cause I think a, it's for both. Yeah, I, yeah. I, there's a guy... Um, 
Shout out to wonderful Gareth, who keeps taking his top off on the internet and um, doing funny photos of him, um, like titties, titties here, titties there, like he, but hashtagging really funny different um, what, things. Does he have titties? Or no, he no, he's just like, he's just mucking around. Oh. But he's doing it under um, sort of the intention of posi- positive body image for men. So like being okay with showing yourself and, yeah. and seeing yourself. So how does that, like how, because we're talking about looking after ourselves from like a physical perspective, Mm -hmm. but then let's also talk about um, social norms and expectations for beauty. And we can get into a real philosophical, in my philosophy course last year, this subject of beauty was the most controversial and upsetting for the people in the room. We had people walk out of the room, like understanding what beauty really means. Oh, I think we could talk about this for hours. Yeah. So we'll keep it short. Keep it short. Yes. So what? Do, what's your take on body, beauty and society? You know, I think there's so many cliches we could talk about here. Like there's so many sayings like beauty's only skin deep and, you know, beauty doesn't last forever and there's so many things. And I think I'll reflect back on my own personal experiences. So as a child I was told your sister's got the looks and you've got the brains. Whoa. And they weren't trying to hurt me. I, I realise that now as an adult. But the impact that has had on me throughout my life has been quite significant so I always believed that I was the ugly duckling and that I would get through life on my my brains and and not my looks and I think that that is something that I've carried with me my whole life so I've always worked tried to work really hard on presenting myself in quite a, a good way so I always have a face of makeup on I always do my hair I always looked at other women as a lot more beautiful than me I always felt very um ugly in a room full of women that's definitely been my my go-to in life and I think that has caused issues throughout my life and that was my personal experience on beauty I found that beauty was something that was easily compared to other people and growing up and also into my 20s and 30s I think that's continued people will openly comment on how you look people will you know I was quite a large child at one stage and people said to me you're just big boned like they just make comments on how you look and I think so it's something that we do to each other in society quite a lot when I lost my weight and particularly now that I'm ill I'm quite thin very thin people will make comment on that they think they can make comment on like oh look how skinny you are and oh but you're tiny boned I'm like that's interesting because as a child I was big (laughs) boned boned. and now I'm tiny boned my bones haven't changed yes and even my doctors you know comment on my looks and my weight and and it's to me it's something that is constant in my life and it's it's in most situations I've been in it's been something that I believe is impacts women and men I do think but for me when it comes to a societal thing the the thought that people think they have the right to comment on whether you're thin, fat, you know, you're, whether you look well or not that day or, you know, like when I see you, you're like, oh, you look gorgeous. Or It's something that we do I know. continuously. Yep. And I think um, that I, I really hear you and, and it's, it's like we've become very judgmental and preoccupied with, um, with prettiness. And so... I'm actually trying in my own practice to stop noticing pretty. And I mean pretty men, pretty women. doesn't like I'm not – I'm just talking about traditional type good looks because it, because I'm you – know, I, I said to a kid the other day, oh, my God, you're so beautiful. 
like I was talking about their eyes and their face and I thought to myself, how am I contributing to an expectation of beauty when I say that? And why, so what do I say to the kid who is not beautiful? Oh, you've got lovely dark hair. Like, what, why do I have to comment on mm-hmm. how you look? Let's yeah. comment on who you are being potential. Mm-hmm. Is even, even do we need that? And so I think... There's the commercial and consumerist problem that we have in, you know, looks and sex sells. So you have magazines and TV shows and products and this, you know, environment in an economy where, you know, that's what we've come to realise or or believe that is um, the goal, you know, is to be looking the best and the most attractive um, because you'll get further. And I do understand, like, from a biological perspective that a fitter healthier person is a more attractive person to mate with therefore you will be you'll be better chance on having children and you have a better chance you know from a um from a a family perspective to be able to carry evolution on i do get that there's an underpinning reason why health and attractiveness and like attracts like Mm -hmm. you know with humans because they're going to potentially procreate i'm talking you know fundamentally so I get all of that, and I think it's just been taken to a whole other level um, where we are judging each other based on that kind of beauty. And so in the philosophy course I was talking about, we talked about, like, what is beauty? Mm. And people were talking an awful lot about, um, you know, there can be beauty in death, there can be beauty in something that is like flowers that are, um, you know, starting to wilt, there can be beauty in... Um, a thought or an expression or a smell Um, and it was a really controversial thing for people to start to realise that everything can seem beautiful because it's what you see in its transition or you see in its blossoming or you see in its you know its growth or its or its shrinking you know when I look at the trees in Hyde Park which I love walking around and ultimately they're cha- they're dying. The leaves are dying. Not the trees aren't dying, but the, you know the leaves are coming off, and it's causing this most beautiful colour. You know I that rustic colour. Yeah. God, we should go after. I love autumn <laughs> like I so have much. Meetings, yeah. We'd go there right now and so go and like look at the Market River with all the yes. vineyards at the moment. They're like golden. It's beautiful. And so, what is beauty? And I think I'm going to get on. I'm getting on a roll here, but it's like, how does something make you? feel in awe with it you know like that we've sitting in front of a jug that is like it looks like a vintage beautiful crystal glass jug and I just think I think that's beautiful I like that yeah and the energy between the three of us in this room is beautiful right now and do you know what I mean like so what is beauty the curtains curtains (laughs) are beautiful she's literally wrapping herself in the curtains right now I wish you could see that yes um anyway I'm I have had a coffee so I'm going fast but the point is is I I think we need to recognise that, you know, so if I look at my own body, you know, I'm a pretty voluptuous person and people often say, Mike, you know, you're really attractive. And I think I often sort of question what they think is attractive because I think, well, you know, I don't, I don't just take compliments. It will sound however it is. I don't just take compliments. I ask people why they say what they say. I want to know the criteria mm. of what you, what are you actually think. Because I used to just gloss on by things, but as time goes on in my work, that I work in human behavioural change, I start to sort of drill down, how did you get to that thought and why Why did you create that belief or why is that comment important to you? And quite often they're saying it's all of you. It's your confidence and who you are and your vivaciousness. You know, they're not saying yeah. it's your boobs or your waist or, you know, your skin or whatever. It's like who you are being. 
And so I think when people want to get confident, they need to be confident in who they are because then everything else is secondary. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it just makes me think about that saying, isn't it? Beauty in the eye of the beholder. Yes. And I know personally myself, I've been in situations where let's say someone walks in and the instant you meet them, you look at them, you go, oh, that's a good looking lad or she's beautiful and you instantly have this sort of like they turn your head. Yeah. That's also a chemical thing. Yes. But then over a period of time you might get to actually know that person and they're not so nice. Yeah. Or, you know, they might treat you poorly or you might see them treat other people poorly. And then over that period of time when you look at them, they're not as beautiful as you once thought they were and you don't find them attractive. But then someone else will come in with you and they'll meet that same person for the first time. They'll go, oh, my, oh, wow, they're an attractive person. You're like, like, I can't see it. (laughs) Do you really think so? I don't see it because you've got to know them. And I actually think that's... I think as you get older, you see that more and more, yes. don't you? And you, you look for more that that depth of a person and that getting to know that person and that beauty shines through rather than just that superficial shell. Uh, this is, I think this is where online dating becomes a problem. Because they're not getting to... Well, actually, I think there's two things. Online dating can be very good in the sense that you're getting to know someone through their thoughts and their feelings and sometimes people can communicate perhaps better through not having that visual look, you know, by typing or... Because I'm actually quite... I feel as if I'm quite good at communicating through through messaging and writing rather than meeting someone first up and I get a bit anxious and nervous when I first meet people. Mm -hmm. So I think that could be a good thing for some people because you get to know their thoughts and you you get to know... Yeah, absolutely. But then on the other side, yeah, it's... I think societally, so I'm not talking individually, I am generalising, but from a societal perspective, we are literally moving into this era of quick judgement and visual appraisal. swipe left, swipe right. Yeah, so if you were to line up all the people that I frolic with, I love the word frolicking, if you line them all up... (laughs) I hope this is going to be all right to everybody that I say this. There's not people that I would have swiped. I don't know what left and right is, honestly. I don't know. What, I think it one's doesn't good, matter. one's bad. Yeah, so, so it's the, the, the nice way, the way that I say yes. I don't know. I don't know. But you wouldn't have said I would have swiped on them basically looking at them. So, you, But they are more – so as time goes on – um, you could line them all up and, and you'd say, oh, you know, I wouldn't have said, yeah, I'll go date that person based on the profile that they showed me. Not necessarily their looks, but, you know, how they presented overall. Yes. And so that's what I think there's so much to be said for the energy connection. Totally. And there's more than just what people look like and what they write on their profile. Okay. And I'm not just talking about looks here. I'm talking about how they present in their words. And so I do understand it's a really good avenue and vehicle for people these days, and I'm not saying it shouldn't be used, but I also think it can cause um, the superficiality of judgment very quickly because there is more to just what someone's written in a profile and a picture that they've put online. Absolutely. And I think there's something I read the other day about the generation. So, you know, we've got generation, the baby boomers, then Generation X, then millennials, and then obviously the new gener- the next generation, which is Generation Z. And they've never been without electronics no, or they've never been without. And, and so their whole image is very different to 
different generations. Yeah. That it, and they're saying there's going to be a lot more pressure on them with their image and their yeah. brand. They, yes, they branding. are all yeah. about self-awareness yeah. and their branding. And they're saying that they're so conscious. I was reading this article the other day about Gen Z. They're saying they're so conscious about what they put on social media now as they are aware that it could impact, impact the, rest their, their the rest of their lives. Well, it's good. With regard to their jobs and yeah. their social life and their potential partners. Yeah. Whereas our generation, we were a bit loose yeah. and free yeah. with the internet and we probably posted a lot of things that we yeah. probably now regret because yeah. we didn't realise the long-term impacts yeah. of it. So I think body images and the way we look at each other and health in general, it's all going to keep evolving and changing. And I think this next generation is going to be really interesting with how they deal with these issues and body image. I mean, I grew up with loving Kate Moss. So that was my generation. I can see that. Yeah. I can, can see you? how she, yeah, I'm like, I'm seeing the correlation between you and Kate Moss now. I can see it with my eyes. Generation I grew up in, right? So, yeah, I grew up with donuts. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I love a good donut. Um, I've got an idea to um, help people think about this as they move through the next part of their life. <laughs> For the rest of their life, I've just it just came into my mind then. Um, but I'm thinking, I have to tell the little story to get there. But so Natalia, my darling friend, and I were in Alice Springs, and we met this man in a coffee shop. Um, and I was literally sitting with her, and I turned around, and this bit of reggae music was on, and this farmer man was just jigging along. Um, he was probably in his sixties, and I have never seen a happy face like it, genuinely, like he stands out to me so, so much. I turned around and I started like grooving a little bit with him and he came over and he was just beaming. And I said to him, my God, you've got the shiny eyes. And he just went, yes, I do. And I said to him, a stellar response, you know, yes, I do. And I said to him, how did you get shiny eyes? And uh, shiny eyes to me is someone who is beaming through the very core of who they are. You know when someone's eyes are just moist eyes. and watering and beautiful and, you know, like they're shining, they're sparkling, yeah, they're clear, they're bright, they they just show you everything. The windows to the soul. Yes. yes. And he said, ah, oh, I get to look after the land and the animals and, you know, I spend all the time on the, on the country because he was a real farm bloke. And I looked at him and I thought, we need more people with shiny eyes. And so um, Reese, who works with me, he and I have a bit of a, a thing where we go, oh, that person's got shiny eyes. And we, have to, we actually sort of seek it out. Rather than how they look, their style, their, the format of their body, um, what they do or what they believe in, it's more about looking for people who've got shiny eyes and asking them how they got them. I yeah. love that. Because when you ask someone, they, a person with shiny eyes will know. Because they're just like, I'm really good. Like, I'm really good. And they'll tell you why. And so I also think another bit of homework can be if we have shiny eyes or we want to have shiny eyes. Because um, we all have you know, moments of shiny eyes. But how, how, what would cause you to have shiny eyes? So rather than beauty in terms of physical, commercial, consumerist beauty, like how do you shine from the inside? That could be our homework. I love that a lot. <laughs> it just reminds me of like all those cliches and all those sayings are like, you know, when people say you've got beautiful eyes or it's always been like, you know, the yes. eyes are the windows to the soul yes. or shiny eyes. Yeah. Do you know what though? I will have to say this. This is a big topic and we've only just scratched the surface. So we it's can like talk about beauty and version. body image. And I, know a lot, and I know this is a hard topic for a lot of people. And um, 
So I think we've taken quite a light view on it today, yeah. but there are obviously some very serious side yeah, effects of body image and, yeah. and health and yeah. how that impacts you long term. And, and I know that obviously through what I've been through. So I think today it's, you know, look for people, their beauty in all their ways, but also look for beauty around you. Yeah. I think what I've had to learn over the last, particularly the last 10 months is that I haven't been very happy with myself and my body and how I've looked and how I present to the world. And I've almost had to get um, comfort in my surroundings. So going to the beach or looking at a beautiful mountain or, yeah. you know, looking at around me for beauty. Or having a fluffy blanket on you. Yes, or, or in yeah. a hot water bottle. In a hot water bottle, yeah. Or looking for beauty, my friends. Yeah. And that's been probably what's got me through more than anything is the beautiful people I surround myself yeah. with. And I think if you can look for the beauty in the people and know what it is that makes them beautiful, like you said, look for the shiny eyes yeah. and surround yourself with them, you're going to be a lot healthier yeah. in general. Yes, it's got to be good for you. Absolutely. So I would recommend Joe Dispenza to look up and Taryn Brum fit she's okay. um the one who has uh did the, the embrace yourself she i think her film was embrace um and then she wrote a book embrace i'll show you the book embrace yeah. yourself and she's about like owning who you are and all of you because Love my that. arms carry my children and my you know my stomach allows me to process my food and it's like yeah. having gratitude for all the parts of yourself um, my arms are painted on. They're just for decoration. Yeah, you, yours, you've got no strength in your no. arms whatsoever. No, I don't do anything. Say. <laughs> Says she, who also has no strength in her arms. <laughs> so I guess what's the message for today? Look for beauty in all ways. Yeah. And I always, I can't, I can't help myself, but it's always about coming back to finding it within yourself. You have to find beauty within beauty yourself within first. Yourself, but yeah, because it's lovely to have inspiration around you and of course it will affect and impact. And um, regarding yourself as important and beautiful and of love, you can only, I think you can only really have the best impact and the best life if you have that for you. It's not a selfish thing. It's a thing that allows you to have the ripple effect and the impact on others as well around you. To learn to be comfortable in your own yeah, skin. comfortable in your own skin. Love that. And get it serviced. Get, <laughs> get your body serviced. Get your body serviced. Go to the doctor. Get it checked Health out. professionals. Yes. Guess what, Fee? What, Suzanne? I love you. I love you too. <laughs> because you're beautiful. You're, be- you're beautiful. Inside. And out. And out. I think that's a great time to stop. That's a wrap. Have a great day, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.